So I remember when I was like five years old, like before even in school, I was at a babysitter's that, that watched me during the day, and I learned a lesson about sharing. Anybody remember learning that lesson as a kid? Did I mean, it, just be honest, how many of us were stingy when we were little? Like, that's what we do as children, right? We, we, it's about us, and we have to learn that, you know, life involves other people. But I remember learning this lesson as I had my uh, box of Hot Wheels cars, and I took it to the babysitters to play with, but I wouldn't let anybody else play with them. They were mine. And my babysitter, who, who really was, she was a godly woman. She loved God, and her family did too, and they served. And she said, okay, well, since they're all just yours, she took me back in a room and put me in there with my cars and said, now you can play with them uninterrupted. And just let me stay in there for a good while. And she made me get them all out. She said, pour them all out. Get them. Now you play with them. And you don't have to worry about anybody else using your stuff. And I remember how boring it got very quickly. And, I mean, obviously it made an impact. Because I was, like I said, this was before I was even in school. And I remember this moment. And there aren't a lot of moments you remember from that part of your life. But I remember it, it, you know, it was like, okay. And she came back in and, you know, it probably seemed like an eternity. It was probably like five minutes. But, you know, for a five-year-old, that was a long time. And she came in and she said, are you ready to share? And I said, yes, I am. And went back out. And I'm pretty sure I left that day with fewer cars than I came with. And uh, some of them were broken. And you know what? I really didn't, didn't care because I realized I wanted to be with my friends more than I wanted to hoard things to myself. And I learned a lesson about how to give. I learned a lesson about generosity. And this week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 7, Paul starts a, a section of Scripture on how to give and why giving is important. And it's very personal for the Corinthians. Uh, there's a, a much bigger picture of what's going on when we get to this section. But it's a, a really important section of Scripture because, let's just face it, we, when we hear messages about giving, it's easy to kind of tune out, right? It's easy, like, oh, it's, it's one of those. It must be that time of year. <laughs> there, you know, and, and we can like, okay, okay, I get it. But giving is at the heart of who God is. Have you ever thought about that? And I'm not just talking about finances. See, everybody can just go straight to money, and, and, and money is involved in this, but it, it is such a bigger heart issue that it reveals what we really believe about God, what we believe about the grace that he has given us. Because I believe it's, it's impossible to be transformed by grace and remain a selfish person. It, it just can't happen. It's, it's antithetical to grace. And so look with me now. We're going to start, and, and this is learning to give. It's part one. Next week will be part two, and then we get some other things, and we come back to it because we're, we're just following the Scriptures through. And this is what Paul uh, comes into in Second Corinthians now. So look with me in chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, 
their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had stated, as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now, what is this act of grace that he's talking about? If you remember in the book of Acts, there was a famine that hit Israel, hit Jerusalem specifically. Uh, okay, During the days of Paul, there was a severe famine that hit, and the church, while they had been very uh, abundant, and you know, remember it said that they gave as there was need, and nobody had need, and, and they had all things in common, and you know, there was this peace and kind of prosperity within the church. Well, that kind of, the, the peace was still there, but the prosperity kind of dried up. Because of the famine, families started to struggle. And understand, when we say famine in Paul's day, we mean a famine. We mean people are literally struggling to eat. Okay, we're not talking about, you know, they just struggled a little bit to meet a few bills. We're, we're talking about they're wondering where their next meal is going to come from. And this is what hit Jerusalem and Paul, wanting to unite the Gentile church outside of Jerusalem with the predominantly Jewish church in Jerusalem, wanting to bring them together because there's one body in Christ, he starts taking up an offering from all of the Gentile churches that he's visiting to take back to Jerusalem to show the Jerusalem church, look, they care about you. They're invested in you just like you've invested in them by sending out, you know, people to preach. They're, they're returning and they're bringing it back. So Paul, has, for a year now, has been announcing to all the churches that he's going to that he's going to take up this offering for the Jerusalem church. And it's now come time for him to complete that with the Corinthians to go and collect what they've said that they're going to do. And so what he's doing is he's urging them to see it through to the end. So that's kind of our backstory on what he's talking about right here. Now, he gives us some incredible information, really. I mean, just some foundational teaching on what giving is about. And that is, first, giving starts with God's grace. Giving starts with God's grace, okay? Generosity is God's nature. Can we agree on that? It is God's nature. How can I say that? Because grace by itself, grace by its very nature, is God's generosity poured out for you. What is grace? It is God giving of his own accord, of his own desire, from the wealth of his own riches to those who don't deserve it. That's what grace is. And so any concept of giving that, that a Christian develops has to start, it has to start with what God has done for us. That's our, our foundation. That is our base point is what has God done for you? Okay, I want you to think of this. He gave us his son for the forgiveness of our sins. 
He has given us of his spirit, literally given us a part of himself. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. And he said, I will send my spirit and he will be in you. So God has given us of himself, literally, to guide us, to empower us. And Ephesians says is the seal guaranteeing the inheritance. God has just freely given all of that. Plus, he, he provides for our daily needs. He gives us life. I mean, everything God does, he gives. He gives freely. In fact, I want you to listen to these three verses from uh, the book of Ephesians where we hear about how God gives, okay? Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with some spiritual blessings. What does he say? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, what does every spiritual blessing mean? That means everything. If there is an eternal blessing that can be given, God has given it to us in Jesus. Did you know that? There's nothing left. As crazy as this sounds, there's nothing left that God can give us spiritually. Now, don't confuse the physical with the spiritual. That's why he says, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Because, yeah, somebody say, well, you know, my health is this, and, and you know, I really could use some better finances, or my relationships are bad. I'd, God hasn't blessed me there. Those aren't the spiritual blessings. Those are physical blessings. Those are worldly blessings. And, and yes, those come and go, and God... You know, we, we don't understand all the time why he gives what he does. But you know what? Those are the blessings that are transient. They are passing away. This world is passing away. What has God given us? He has given us every possible blessing there is that will last for all eternity. Think of that. God could literally give us nothing more than what he has given us in Jesus Christ. He has withheld nothing. The God of all creation who is unlimited, who is infinite, who is omnipotent, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, has withheld nothing from any of us when it comes to the spiritual blessings. Now, friends, if that's not generosity, I don't know what is. Our God, by his very nature, is generous now, listen to Ephesians 1, 7, and 8. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Lavished. That's not a word we hear a whole lot today, is it? He lavished it on us. What does that mean? I, I get the picture of somebody painting a wall, and they're just like slopping the paint on there. You know, it doesn't matter if it... If it makes a mess it doesn't matter if it runs we're just we're just going to lavish it we're just going to put it on there with you know no regard for how much it is that's what he has done with his grace for us he's just freely given it and given it in abundance and now how we think about god giving to us here's how we need to understand it ephesians 3 20 through 21 now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. That seems pretty generous, right? To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God has given 
and his nature is to give that is it is so far beyond. It says anything we could hope or ask. We don't even ask for, for what God has given us. The, the level of his generosity surpasses even what we could even think of asking for. I hope that amazes you a little bit inside. That we would ask for this and God says, oh, I'm going way beyond that. That's his nature. God is generous. And then James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. How does God give? Generously. Generously. And it says what? Without reproach. Like he's not upset. When we go to him, we're like, God, I don't have enough wisdom. He's not like, really? Again? You just asked last week. What does it say? It says finds no reproach. He's, he's happy. You see, that is one of the things about God is that nobody has forced him. You see, giving that is forced is not giving. It's coercion. It's manipulation. It can, we, sure, we, could, we can guilt people into giving us something, but, you know, we, that really was on us. That wasn't giving. Giving, at its core, is done generously, is done freely, is done joyfully. And our God joyfully gives to his people. Joyfully. God is not like, ah, oh, I don't want to give them anymore. What does it say? It says he gave us everything. He just opened up the vault and was like, yeah, you can have it all. There's plenty. And I want you to have it. That's who God is. And our understanding of giving has to draw from that height. Now, is that a tall thing to shoot for in our lives? Absolutely. Uh, Okay, we're going to title it radical generosity, and we'll get into more of that next week. But it is a radical generosity that we all need, every single one of us, if we want to honor God in our lives, we have to excel at this as well. And yeah, it's not comfortable. It's not in step with the world. It is definitely not a part of our modern culture. Our modern culture is so entitled, it's unbelievable. And generosity and entitlement cannot go together. But I want you to just for a, um, let's just imagine something for a second together, okay? Time for imagination. Imagine if God were greedy or stingy, what would our faith look like? Praise God from whom some blessings flow. (laughs) God's amazing limited grace. Hey, do you know if you're going to heaven? Maybe. I mean, Jesus died for some of my sins. I'm just not sure which ones. So I'm hoping I don't commit the ones that he didn't die for. You see... Greediness and God, they don't even go together. Like you immediately, when you start thinking of that, you just realize how crazy it is. Like you, you immediately, something in your spirit is like, no, 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 that God doesn't do that. And you know why? Because we know it's true. We know that God is generous beyond our wildest dreams, which means greed and stinginess. Where does that come from? Our sinful heart. That is something that is given in rebellion to God. 
that is done for our sake, not to honor God. Because anything dealing with God and His grace and who He is and His nature is automatically going to enter into the realm of generosity. There's no other step. We can't celebrate God's grace and be a stingy, greedy person. We just can't. Now, maybe we struggle with that, and, and, you know, that is the Christian struggle of sometimes, like, I see the ideal, but, man, my mind, I just, my heart's not there yet. And just, but we have to have that north star to guide us, amen? We, we have to know the ideal. We have to be able to strive and look towards, okay, this is who God is, and this is what he wants from me, and I'm going to strive towards it. Even though I fall short, I'm still going to strive towards the goal. And that's the point, is that generosity is learned. It's learned. This isn't something that comes naturally to really anybody. Now, some, of, some people have a, an easier time learning and some don't, but I guarantee we all have areas of our lives, and this is where I say, don't just go to finances. There are people who can be incredibly generous financially, but, man, they are greedy when it comes to emotional support time. They are greedy with their their willingness to invest in others personally. They're greedy when it comes to, well, I'm not going to take the time necessary to get into the Word. I I mean, giving is such a larger picture than just finances. And so generosity is learned. And just like any other spiritual discipline, we have to learn how to be radically generous. We have to learn it. So I want you to think about this. It comes through prayer, practice, and intentionality. We learn to pray by what? Anyone? Praying? We learn to pray by praying. I mean, if you don't enter in sometime, you don't, you don't really learn how to do it. I mean, you, I can teach you, but if you don't go and pray and put it into practice, you're not going to get any better at it. We learn to pray by praying. We gain knowledge of the Scriptures by what? Reading the scriptures, studying them, taking the time, learning the discipline of doing it. We grow in faith by exercising faith in difficult situations. When we have reason to doubt, we choose not to doubt and to focus and believe that God is going to move and that God is working. And we grow our faith by doing that. So how do you think we learn to give? By giving. By, learn, by, by looking for opportunities to give and understanding that it's going to be in ways that will go beyond our current comfort level. Now, our, our more seasoned Christians, mature Christians in this room that have spent significant time in Scripture, how comfortable were you with Scripture when you first started reading it compared to now? You, you felt kind of lost, didn't you, when you started? I mean, you started and you're like, man, this is a lot. This is, you know, somehow you started reading and then you ran, you know, you got through Genesis and you're like, okay, that's good. And, and Exodus was okay. And then you got to Leviticus and what happened? You're like, nah, I'd. And, and then you, you may be powered through Leviticus and you got to numbers and you're like, I'd never mind. <laughs> this God, why? Why? I don't even know these names. I don't get it. And you, you were confused, and you may have even stopped at that moment like, I'm going to the New Testament. 
And then you, you read stuff like, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you're like, Word? What are we talking about? And yet, if you've continued through and you keep studying it and you keep letting God open your heart to it and you keep coming back to it, you get it now, right? You start to understand it. I'm not saying you've unlocked all the mysteries of Scripture, but, but it starts to have a cohesive feel to it that you're like, okay, wow, this is really interesting. Like God is really teaching. And you start to change. You start to learn. You start to grow. You start to absorb more of it. You start to understand it. Your eyes become opened. You will go through the exact same process with learning to give. We have to learn to get over ourselves. We have to learn to get over our fears. We have to learn to get over what it is we think we're going to hold on to. And if I, if I don't hold on to this, I'm going to lose it. And we understand, after a while, you start to understand, no, wait, I'm not going to lose anything. It all belongs to God. And if He wants me to give it away, I'll give it away. He can provide more. What is that? It's exercising faith and the act of giving. It all works together. But we have to do it. We have to learn it by doing it. And so here are some five things that I want us to learn about giving today. Five things, okay? One, giving is rarely convenient. Anybody agree with that? It's rarely convenient. And I mean that. Like, I think God does that on purpose. We're like, God, okay, God, I want to give and want to be generous. He says, okay, now. You're like, oh, that's a bad time. And he's like, but you said you wanted to. You're like, oh, but, you know, God, if we could, if you could rearrange a little bit, it'd be a lot easier at this point. And he goes, I don't want easy. I want obedience. You want to do it or not? Giving is rarely convenient. Now, this will go back into 2 Corinthians now because I want you to see Paul actually lists this out. He shows us, okay? In uh, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Now, he's talking about their actual giving, uh, okay? For in what? A severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. That's not what you normally are going to see together, right? In a severe test of affliction and in poverty, they were generous. Why would Paul say that? Because he's saying to the Corinthians, this other group of believers, man, it was hard for them. It was not a good time for them. It was not convenient. It was a very difficult season of life, and they still gave. They found a way to do it and to give generously despite the circumstances. Now, I bring this up because if, and this, this applies to so many other areas of life as well, that if we are waiting for everything to be perfectly aligned before we do something, what do we do? We just keep waiting. You ever fallen into that trap? Well, when, when things slow down a little bit, then I'll do it. You know, and like four years go by and you're like, huh, things never slowed down. <laughs> it never worked out. You know why? Because you just, you just got to make it happen. You know, there's a saying that, that Jan and I heard a long time ago, and we, we have kind of figured out it's true. If you need something done, find the busiest person you know to help you do it. You know why? They'll get it done. Because they don't have time to waste. They don't have time. to. If, if they're going to help, they're going to help. They're going to get it done. Find the busiest person you know, and it'll, get, it'll happen. So giving is rarely convenient. Two, 
Giving is more about our obedience than it is our ability. And that is any spiritual discipline. When you started learning to read Scripture, you might have thought, well, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm just not the smartest person out there. Did it matter? No, you read Scripture, you learn, you grow. God isn't comparing you to other people. He just wants your obedience. And so it is rarely about our ability, and it's more about our obedience. Listen to verse 3. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Their obedience outpaced their ability, and God provided. And we know we're in a really good place when that happens. When our obedience to God starts to outpace our ability in any area, Every area of spiritual discipline, at some point, our obedience should start to outpace our ability. Because why? We start to look at it and we're like, wow, God's doing this. God is, this is God. This isn't me. This is God right now. And he gets the glory for it. You see, God always wants to call us out of our ability. If it was up to us, if it was based on our ability, God would never get the glory. And so God calls us to things beyond our ability. And yes, we run into that. That is a moment that we're like, God, how's this going to work? And if you look through Scripture, through the Old Testament, you see this over and over. Moses, hey Moses, go stand before the most powerful man in the world right now and demand that my people be freed. But, 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 but. You know I have a stuttering problem. Exactly. Go do it. No, God, I'd rather not. You know, and he's like, hey, I gave you that mouth. God calls us beyond our ability. So stop looking at what's possible and what's impossible based on your understanding and just trust God to get you through it. We can't learn to give so long as we're worried about whether it fits within our ideas of what we are able to do. We will always give selfishly. Three. In Acts 20.35, the Apostle Paul quotes a saying of Jesus that isn't found in the Gospels, and yet Paul quotes him, so we know it's true, that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is where I say, in our current culture, entitlement and grace and giving cannot coexist. Entitlement says, I want to receive, this is what I am owed, this is what I deserve, And grace in giving says, what can I give? How can I help? Where is their need? One is self-centered. One is other-centered. And that's exactly what God did with us. What was our need? Our sin was separating us from God. So what did he do? He gave his son to take care of that sin problem. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And, you know, we can say that over and over, and we need to to ourselves, but understand this truth right here is so counter to the narrative of today's culture and counter to human sin that it's not going to be an easy one to truly grab hold of and make a reality. We have to convince ourselves of this daily. 
We are to serve, not to be served. Because everything in our world right now is all about me. All the way down to people, I was born in the wrong body and God made a mistake and I deserve to... I mean, we are so wrapped up in ourselves that the world is literally miserable because we can't get outside of ourselves. We are so wrapped up in self that we're hurting each other in the process when we don't need to. So... It is more blessed to give than to receive. Number four, turn blessings into blessings. Okay, this is what, what God expects. Okay, we've already talked about this in 2 Corinthians 1.4. What did Paul say? He says, God who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God expects what he gives to us, he expects us to learn the lesson and in turn give away to others. We are never to be just simply a recipient of grace. Okay, let me say that again. We are never to simply be a recipient alone of grace. But when we receive grace, we're to give grace. That's why the two greatest commandments are what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God's love and his activity in our lives can never stop with just us. If it does, we've not understood what God is doing. We've not understood grace. We've not understood his kingdom. We've not understood his love. Because every time, his love should motivate us to love another. Every single time. And we can't do that if we're being greedy and stingy in in ourselves. So learning to give is literally part of the process of maturing in Christ. Which is number five, giving is a spiritual act that comes from fellowship with God. Giving is a spiritual act that comes from fellowship with God. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul sees their willingness to give in the midst of severe affliction in an extreme poverty, and yet their generosity overflowed, he said. He sees that as, that is a work of God. He says, this is impossible except that they first gave themselves to God and because they gave themselves to God, they're able to give themselves to the work of God. And they did it with joy. Notice, he says, they begged to be a part of this. So it's possible, I'm not saying this is how it happened, but right now I have a microphone and you don't, so we're going to go with it, okay? Is that Paul may have seen their situation. They're being afflicted. They're in extreme poverty. Things are bad. And, and he may have seen that, and he may have told them, you know what, guys, it's okay if you, if you sit this one out. And what does it say? It says they begged. Oh, no. No, no. No, we're helping. We're going to be a part of this. And he said, okay. And then what they gave was like it blew them away. 
So much so, he's bragging to the Corinthians about it. Now, remember, Paul's bragged about the Corinthians to everyone else. So you're starting to see how Paul does this? He's all like, hey, they're awesome. Hey, they're awesome. Hey, they're awesome. He just brags about everybody, but he's telling the Corinthians, like, you have it in you to do this because this is the kind of thing God does. And so it is an act of worship. This is an act, a spiritual discipline that is a genuine part of the Christian life. And to overlook it is to stall our maturity in Christ. It stalls it out. We have to learn to give in our life. And in fact, we aren't just called to learn to give. We are called to excel in giving. We are called to excel. What did he say? He says, give yourself first to the Lord, then to the work. And the work is who we are becoming. God is more interested in who we are becoming than what we can offer, and God wants us to become a generous people. Why? Because he is generous. That's who he is. And so this, this, Paul kind of closes this out right here. Listen, he says, but as you excel in everything... He's bragged. They've grown. They've learned. I mean, the Corinthians are a a moving church. They've struggled, but they are growing, and he's proud of them. You remember he said he had complete confidence in them, so, I mean, he is proud of the work that they've done. And so he says, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, these are spiritual disciplines. And he's saying you're doing a great job of all of these. You've grown in your faith. You've grown in your knowledge of, of God. You've grown in your knowledge of what he wants. You've grown in in all earnestness and in our love for you. And then he says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. How many times in your own mind have you placed giving on par with Bible study? Do we see them as the same? Because God does. That just got real, didn't it? Our ability to be generous needs to flow from the same place of grace as our commitment to this word. And in fact, if we're studying this word, it should be, we get it, it's telling us to be generous. It's telling us to learn to give. It tells us to take care of each other. It says do good As you have opportunity, do good to everyone, especially those of the brotherhood, especially those of the faith. Like we should be looking for ways to be generous. That's why I call it a radical generosity, because it's not just a reactive thing in life. It is a proactive, like we are looking for ways to bless other people. And Paul says, just like you excel in learning theology, just like you excel in worship, just like you excel in in, in these other spiritual acts, make sure, see that you excel in this act of grace also. And I love what he calls it an act of grace. Is that God's grace or our giving of grace? Yes, it's both. We give because God first gave to us. We are gracious people because God has been gracious to us. We know what grace is, so therefore we give grace. That is what he wants us to do. And so we cannot neglect giving and generosity in life. So I want to ask you this question. Where can you, right now, as you leave this building today, where can you start being radically generous? Ask God. Just pray about it. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to like the answer. Not initially. Because it's God's going to hit that spot where we want to be greedy. He's going to hit that spot. It's going to be like, oh, I want you to be more generous with your time. With your spouse, with your kids. Some of you may be, I want you to be more generous with your finances. I've blessed you and I expect you to be a blessing. And we're going to be like, you know it's the right thing to do when it makes you uncomfortable and yet you know it lines up with Scripture. That's just what happens. Our our own sinful nature is going to want to push back against it. Lean into it. And say, God, okay, if this is what you want me to do, show me how to do it. And we learn to do it by doing it. And so, yeah, we may stumble out of the gate. We're not going to be awesome at it right at the beginning. It's going to feel awkward, and you're going to think, why am I doing this? But trust me, the blessing is there. And as we excel in giving, we excel in glorifying. And when God is glorified, things happen. Lives change. God moves in amazing ways. And so, I want you to close with this verse, Philippians 2, 3, that says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. See, giving is a heart issue. If we see ourselves as primary, we're going to be greedy. If we see others as more significant, we're going to want to be generous. It all matters where our heart is. And so next week, we'll get into how we give as a, a family, as a church, that the, the, the stress is not to be on any one person, but it's, it's to be the collective effort of what we do. Uh, there's not to be undue burdens on individuals. We're to give as God wants us to give individually. It's a matter of, of the heart, uh, but that is a part of it. But this week, I want you to just focus on Where does God want you to be radically generous in your life? Where can you start working on that? Because we have the example before us. And as we take the Lord's Supper this week, if you have not uh, gotten your elements, uh, this is a moment you can do so. Uh, We have deacons that can give it to you. You can go get it. But as I've said, Jesus, God's grace, is the focal point for all giving that we do. And we have the single greatest example of grace given at the cross. Where the eternal Son of God, who was all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, set aside the attributes of being God, the benefits of being God, The Son of God was all-knowing, all-powerful, all-holy. And he set aside being omnipresent to have a spot in space and time, to be limited to a body. He gave up being all-knowing to have a human limited mind that had to learn and, and had to grow. He gave up being all-powerful to die on the cross to experience death. And the night before all of that happened, he met with his disciples and had a Passover meal in which he said, I have eagerly longed to share this Passover meal. 
because he took the bread. And he said, this bread represents my body, which shall be broken for you. And after he had taken the bread, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is my blood, which shall be given for you. The blood of the new covenant, which shall be given for you. And it is by his blood that he purchased us, redeemed us from the slavery, from the power of sin. It is the single greatest act of giving that has ever been made. In which he said, all you must do now is believe in him and you will be saved. He freely gives us salvation. He gives us holiness that we didn't earn and we didn't have, but he freely gives it to us. That is grace. And so after he had taken these, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so today we take of the bread and the cup to remember what was given to us so that we then can go out and be a giving, graceful people. So today we take of the bread. And we drink together of the cup. Father God, thank you so much. God, thank you for the grace, the gift of life that you have given us through your Son. And God, I pray that your grace would be effective in all of us, God, that we would become and be a gracious people in this world. Willing to give. Eager to give. To give joyfully. God, that as the scripture said, we would excel in this grace. God, root out selfishness in our hearts, in our minds. Worldly thinking, entitlement thinking, God, just remove it. God, that we would shine as light in this world for you. God, that we would use the gifts and the resources you have given us for your kingdom. God, that we would experience the blessing of your spirit. The blessings of obedience when we give from a joyful heart. God, I pray you be with each person as we go from this place today, God. That we would would be that light in our world as we go to jobs and our families schools. God, that you would use us to share your grace with others. God, we pray you are glorified. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.